trending news right now. We speak to Gatla Rosilwadi today. How are you uh, as our social commentator looking at what's happened in the last 24 hours on social media? How are you, Gatla? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Asanda? I'm good. Thank you so much. How's the week been so far? We're at the end of it now. Yeah, quite busy, quite intense. I'm actually quite tired. Oh, um, can't wait for the weekend, as always. Yeah, there's a bit of uh, lethargy going on. I think it's also the full moon mm. energy that we are experiencing. Been, we've all been so uh, tired for the past two days. But anyway, as we say, it's mm. almost the end of the week. We shall aluta. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, boo. Okay, so let's start uh, with uh, today. Our first topic is Eswatini. Uh, talking protests there for free education and democracy. So protesters have gathered against police brutality. And this country has been rocked by a wave of pro-democracy demonstrations. There's been quite a few. Mm. I think this this has been um, long coming, Asanda. And what we're seeing um, now is that, you know, there seems to be solidarity amongst uh, neighboring countries, which is always a good thing. Um, from South Africa specifically, we know of the ESF who have um, come out saying that um, they will take decisive action against the regime of King Swati III if the brutality against uh, protesters continues. So, you know, um, just um, suddenly just get, um, you know, gathering support um, all around um, from neighboring countries. What are neighboring countries uh, saying? Because we know our president, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, also being part of that group of uh, the SADC leaders who have had some sentiments said around the issue, but uh, also having had criticism in terms of negotiations with the South African development community, SADC, uh, being divided, that may, they may be not really doing enough. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, in these instances... There's always more that can be done, but there's also the question of sovereignty. You know, um, how 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 much can another country, you know, um, impose or um, you know uh, 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 get in, get involved in what is happening in the neighboring country or the next country? So um, you know, just having to have a balancing act there between um, you know assisting to calm down the situation first of all, as we've seen that a lot of people have lost their lives. And there's just, um, you know, a huge disruption towards um, school. So back to the, and we'll come back to those uh, neighboring relations and, and the history there because it goes far back. But uh, civil society and opposition groups also demonstrated and they looted shops and uh, there were rain sinking business uh, properties in June. Uh, at least 28 people died uh, when police clashed with protesters. And then now... With this latest one, the internet was even shut down for two hours with the pro-democracy marches in the capital. What is the point of this, if not to control, or more of control, this shutdown of the internet? Absolutely. This is, you know, um, censorship in its purest form, and um, it it really is unfortunate, especially in this day and age, that, um, you know, there are people who don't believe in a democracy, or at least, um, you know, for for um, citizens of a country to be able to voice, um, you know, how they want a country to be governed, but also just, you know, um, just in terms of the cost implications of, you know, um, the protests as well. Um, as we've mentioned, there's been, like, damage to um, property. Um, we've heard of a um, the Eswatini's Ministry of Education just being concerned about the violence um, by um but pupils, you know, say, stating that there wasn't a budget to um, fix these schools, so there is concern about 
how schools will continue from there. We know of, um, you know, economic activity that, um, you know, when, when the internet is down, some businesses are down as well. Um, you know, in terms of recovery, what will that look like? Um, we just know that protests can be so, so expensive, um, mm. especially for um, countries in Africa. And talking that, I mean, it can be expensive schools being closed as as well. I mean, the ripple effects are on that. The army was uh, deployed. The police were also deployed to schools because of uh, these pro-democracy protests. Part of it being that uh, they are calling for free schooling. And students being arrested, there's definitely going to be ripple effects there. Absolutely. Um, You know, and it it remains to be seen what the outcome will be. But we know that the people of Eswatini want, um, you know, for for the release of two people who were, who are um, pro-democracy to be released um, as they were arrested. Okay, so in terms of the shutdown, I mean, and images that would be circulating on social media and traditional media, now we know that the internet was shut down for two hours. Can we also look at it as a cover-up from the international community as well? Definitely. Um, in, in time where we've seen, you know, the government not wanting um, a country or its people to be in touch with the rest of the world, it's always, you know, to sort of, um, you know, control the information that goes out, the information that goes in, and more um, importantly, just to um, control um, who helps, who, how the, the people in that country get assistance. And, you know, with ESF, for example, coming out strongly to say that they will shut down the border if um, the continue doesn't, um, if the situation doesn't um, come to a rest. So, you know, you know, actually control their censorship and just wanting to maintain authority over people. And of course, we can imagine how business will be affected just even on that online blockage and social media blockage. The criticism against the king, King Swati III, of having a lavish lifestyle, and this is, I mean, Swaziland, one of the world's poorest countries while this is going on, and also the pres- um, the monarchy being accused of stifling political parties. The, the king also being accused uh, by demonstrators of depriving children of their education by taking part in the protests. There's a lot of accusations against him. At what stage does one self-criticize and listen to the cries of the people? Why do you think in his mind he is not thinking of his people keep protesting because there's a reason. And just also, it's been different groups that are protesting. Mm, absolutely. You know, um, African countries um, just uh, battle in terms of leadership. You know, we have seen that. Um, and, you know, the other week we spoke about Afghanistan and all the coups that have come out, all um, presidents, you know, being held hostage because um, of their citizens saying you need to step down. So, you know, as you actually put it, at what stage does someone, you know, think to themselves, okay, maybe I've been doing something wrong and, you know, it's time for a change. But we know that, um, you know, the reason that they operate that way is to maintain control over people, is to maintain um, control over resources. Because as soon as they step down, um, you know, nobody knows what will happen to them and, you know, how their lives will change. And, you know, we know that that's something that they're not willing to let go of. As we've heard that King Sati has been living quite lavishly. And obviously, you know, once uh, there is a democracy, you know, there's no telling that he'll still have access to the resources that he's had. 
Okay, let's come back to the SADC uh, leaders then who have often faced some criticism in terms of how they handle not just Swaziland's issues but issues in the community. Uh, Mozambique, the Islamist insurgency there also, the collapse of the Zimbabwean economy there, and then this. What do you think should be the recourse? I mean, we've heard from the SA Department of International Relations and Communication mm. when they said they're calling for restraint. But then that's just about it. It's just a call. And mm. then what? Mm, absolutely. But um, I think that, you know, we've seen the AU trying to get involved. And um, there's actually a tweet by Ed Zwagele uh, who said, in South Africa, who will bear the consequences of what is happening in Swaziland now? Look at what happened in Zimbabwe when South Africa looked away. Now millions of Zimbabweans are living in South Africa. And that's just an example, you know, to say that if we don't, um, you know, assist um, in the, uh, if we don't assist in tangible ways, as you put it, that, you know, all we have done is condemn. Um, we tend to bear the brunt of that in, 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 you know, the years to come or in the months to come. But the question really is then, how much more can they do, you know? Um, they can't um, necessarily uh, take down King Satya III himself, you know, other than to have the conversation, I suppose. Um, um, and also just the cost implications that come with being involved. Um, of course, there is a lot more that can be done. But, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, is that, you know, there's also questions about sovereignty to say how much, um, how involved can um, the AU, for example, get involved? Yes. And what did the AU say? I believe that they did also make some sentiments. I think they said they're calling for the government to allow for peaceful protest. The, the Swaziland mm. Solidarity Network, though, is saying it's extremely disappointing, this call from South Africa, to just merely engage in, in meaningful dialogue. And they're looking at South Africa being p- particularly more strategic, maybe even more than Mozambique, even though there's a history of Swatis coming from Mozambique. But that's, South Africa is the biggest trading partner and neighbor. But as you say, what can be done, though, by these leaders? Because uh, the, this is a historic issue dating uh, back to early 70s when the late king, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sobuza, uh, usurped political power and made himself an absolute monarch. But there's also the fact that there, there's a history of opposition parties being banned in Swaziland, even though the country held its first parliamentary elections in 1993. So if even opposition was banned in terms of its voices, and with this backdrop, then can the king be blamed even for having this the tone that was set even way back then, and he's just continuing that? Mm. Well, at uh, the time, Kalapi on social media says South Africa is the only neighboring country to Swaziland that can influence effection of a constitutional democracy in that country. Strategic and targeted sanctions can cripple that absolute monarchy, but the citizens must understand that temporary pain, must understand the temporary pain that will come with such actions. And, you know, I thought that um, that was um, quite a valid um, course of action, you know, sanctions and and stuff like that. But, um, you know, how much um, will the citizens have to suffer because, as Zagiela said, that you know, whenever neighboring countries suffer, we will carry that um, in the long in the long term. So, you know, really, uh, a balancing act needed there. It definitely needs to be a balancing one, and I don't know how we unravel all those years of history because the the tone was set, and I guess one would have said we should have had foresight as the Sadiq community. Uh, mm. that those historical issues would have the ripple effect, which is why then even the schooling issue we raise is an even bigger concern when we think of the ripple effects, what could happen in the future that we're going to leave our children to deal with. Okay.
Let's uh, move uh, to JSC interviews now. The former head of the country's correctional services and former chief of spies, author Fraser, being at the center of this chat. So he's officially raised his objection. He doesn't want mm-hmm. Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo to be nominated and considered for the position of Chief Justice. What do you make of this? I think this was very interesting. Um, um, I think that, you know, every time you're going to speak on the law, you need to be, you know, somewhat consistent with it yourself. Um, this is the same person we know granted medical parole to the former president, um, even after the uh, advisory board or medical parole advisory board had um, had rejected, um, 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 or, you know, granting the, the medical parole. So, you know, and people are now coming to say that, um, you are the same person that did that. Why must we believe what you have to say now? What does he have to say now? What are his reasons for not wanting uh, Raymond Zondo to fill that po- uh, Chief, Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo to fill that position? Mm. Well, he has cited that um, the Chief Justice Raymond Zondo is not fit and proper to hold the position. And, um, you know, there's been a circulation of rumors that, you know, he probably has information that he knows and that we need to heed the call um, um, and, and listen when we are warned. But I think that, you know, to, to go on speculation is really difficult. At this point, you need to come out with evidence, state your case, and let us deal with that instead of, you know, being held um, ransom by, by threats and what could happen you know, if, 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 for example, the chief justice is, is considered for this role. Is it fair that, I mean, these accusations and, and what he's saying, even things like he lacks the integrity and fairness that's required for the office of chief justice, it's all basically based on his judgment of how Zondo has conducted himself as chairperson of the State Capture Commission. Is it fair that this is the center of judgment? I think that, look, the the... Um, opinion shouldn't be negated, but I do think that it, it you know, it must come with some um, evidence, some facts, um, you know, that that will substantiate that opinion. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think that there needs to be everything that um, you know holds water needs to come to the surface, and we need to deal with it accordingly. But to just say someone is not fit and proper is not enough, you know. What do you make of uh, Fraser saying that Zondo's conduct is meant to please the ruling political elite so that that ruling political elite can in turn uh, give the green light on his nomination as the next chief justice of the country? So this was strategic for Zondo, according to Fraser. I think that, again, those are very strong statements. Um, you need to be able to prove what you are saying. Um, we, I think that South Africans are tired of, um, you know, the political marabaraba that happens in front of our eyes. Mm. Um, you know, every 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 now and then we must appreciate that this will happen or this one is liaising for that reason. We know that politics is a is a is a is a game. But I, I think that at this point we want to deal with facts and what is actually what is actually happening in our country rather than, you know, um speculations and threats. Well the NFP I guess also echoing those sentiments of Fraser. Uh, saying Zondo abused his position to settle scores with Zuma. That's their reason for saying he should not be considered for this position. But uh, on a different side, uh, the Congress of the People, COPE, they're saying that Zondo did an excellent job as the chair of that uh, commission, and he should be given the chief justice position. So different views, different uh, strokes for different folks, I guess. Mm. I think that, you know, as with anybody, there are people who will like you, 
and there are people who won't. And some people, even when you're doing the right thing, they also won't like you because it, you know, it implicates them in their dealings. Um, but I do think where great work has been done, great work needs to be uh, commended. And, you know, that sets precedent for um, everything else that will happen after that. Um, I think that the uh, example of the former president, you know, even getting to a point where he could um, be sentenced to 15 months of imprisonment, you know, um, is just exemplary of um, good work. We know that we have been waiting for a long time to, you know, at least um, um, be able to hold him accountable for something. And in this instance, not being, you know, cooperative um, uh, with with this uh, with the chief justice, um, it, you know, he he was it was possible for him to be held to account. So, like I said, where great work um, happens, great work needs to be commended. Okay, let's talk hashtag Fisoku Lentuli. This case, then, a hitman known to be notorious as a hitman. He's 32 years old uh, from KwaZulu-Natal. He's been implicated in the murder also of former Bafana Bafana captain Senzo Mehiwa. He's uh, now been convicted on six counts of murder. And there's quite a few going on, hey, in terms of the list of uh, people he's killed. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, they happen almost in, you know, consecutive years, um, uh, Asanda. And, you know, the question that has come out on social media is, you know, what kind of upbringing um, does one have to have had to be a, a notorious hitman at the age of 32? Um, his age being, you know, brought into question there and um, then the conversation about violence in our streets and, you know, how um, people get rewarded for it. Um, as you can imagine, for one to be a hitman, they must be um, getting paid. So someone choosing that route um, of, of, of employment, if I may call it that, um, to make a, a means to an end is, is you know, quite um, interesting and something that we should look into because we know that he is only one of so many others in the country, um, but he is responsible for six other deaths. And that's the thing. I think it was almost similar to the Undlovu's case, Undlovu's case, where the hitman came forward, and we were saying, should he then name and shame others that he might have worked with or been associated with? What what happens in a case when one has been discovered to be a hitman and they are arrested? Mm, absolutely. So in more in most cases, you know, they are asked to reveal the others, but um, you know, in in the cases that I've seen, this is. This doesn't happen um, because, you know, uh, it seems like they're told that, you know, you do the job alone and if you get caught, you get caught alone. So I don't think that um, he'll reveal anybody else that he, has, he was working with. And, for example, um, you know, him being named as one of the people responsible for the Senzo Meiwa case, um, at this point he should have revealed to say, no, I was working with so-and-so, but, you know, this is... This is something that's not happening. Therefore, he, he, you know, I guess he will face the music on his own while the others continue. And we don't even know if he'll face the music for everything because, I mean, this latest one, conviction on six counts, is related to political killings in KZN, namely with the ANC mm. councillor uh, being murdered, Tami Nyembe. But his reign of terror, this hitman, uh, Fisokutle Nduli, began in April 2015 when he murdered Budiza Mashobo and then the following year gunning down Nyembe and his wife sustaining serious injuries in that murder but surviving. This is Crime Channel vibes, eh? 
Absolutely. And the fact that, um, you know, as you actually put it, that will be even faced with music. You know, some of them go into jail and only to come out because the people who hired them are able, also able to, you know, pay for them to come out. So really speaking about our law system there and the corruption that happens there. Um, but I think, you know, it also just speaks to the safety of our society. You know, um, if one person can kill six people, and as you rightfully put it with Rosemary, one person, you know, going through a, a whole family almost, um, um, you know, to, to get to a, a, to get to money or, you know, um, to, to get to a, a, an end is, is, is quite um, sad. Um, it also just speaks about, you know, like I said, the violence that is in our country and how we think we're okay, but there's so much going on that mm. um, we need to unroot and deal with. What worries me is that he, oh, this uh, hitman also hunted down three brothers who were willing to testify as witnesses in a murder mm. case that he was uh, implicated in, that, that one of Nyembe that he was found guilty of. And then he killed them, the witnesses. But now they're saying that with this pre-sentence report, they will require a parole officer and, and social worker to go and visit his family to gather some information regarding his mm-hmm. uh, exceptional circumstances. Does that not put the family at risk then? Because in a way, they are uh, witnesses in this case to gather more information. What could the reason of this be when there's a given it, uh, testimony that this man, this hit man, is willing to kill? Absolutely. I think, you know, it's trying to almost, um, and we spoke about it with uh, the Rosemary case, to be able to profile and say, you know, what are the signs of somebody who is likely to, you know, live a life like this? And I've always said that, you know, it's so difficult to point that out because your family can cut back and say, no, this person was amazing. You don't know of this um, sort of behavior. But at the end of the day, six lives are lost, you know. And in addition to that, should they say the opposite, you know, as you actually put it, it does put them at risk if he was able to, you know, track three people um, and, and witnesses and, you know, uh, uh, harm them, what more his own family, um, you know, this is the understanding that this person is somebody who might not even care about the next person, let alone a family member. So, um, but I do think that, um, you know, social workers are trying to, you know, find out if this is, you know, somebody um, who, who, and because I think that this will also affect perhaps his sentence as well to say, you know, this should just be somebody who is kept away for life um, as he is a danger to society? Um, and Or is there, a, a, you know, a rehabilitative me- measures that can be taken to, to assist him? Talking about a danger to society, the irony of his name being Fisogutle, and uh, there he is being a danger to mm-hmm. society. There's, yeah, I mean, Fisogutle in Zulu means, you know, you pray for the best, you pray for good, right? Mm-hmm. You wish for, for, for wellness, for good. I, I don't know if I'm directly translating it, but it's along those lines. Ukfi Sogutle is to want or wish for goodness, and that's yes. his name. And he's uh, a terrorist, kind of. Mm. And I think, you know, it speaks to how we are raising our children because we take certain things for granted when they are young, and later in society they become people who, you know, go through six people, a whole family, killing people. So we need to pay more attention to, you know, the kinds of children that we raise and what we expose them to and the violence that's in our streets, that's on our TVs, that we think we are just enjoying, but, you know, um, psychologically and subconsciously, they are doing something to a child. And um, we need to do better um, and, and, you know, where possible, um, get um, um, social um, workers to step in um, and, and counselors to, to be more involved in our communities. 
to make sure that um, we, we provide or, or produce um, better citizens. Wow. Okay. Hashtags William Kize. Now let's wrap with this one. Um, the Special Investigation Unit saying that the former Health Minister uh, Mkiza's review application in the Digital Vibes matter, it's not going to affect its work. So Mkiza had approached the Gauteng High Court in Joburg to set aside this SIU's damning findings and declared unconstitutional and unlawful. They're now saying the SIU that it's not going to inf- uh, affect the work that they are doing. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, on social media, people had already sort of written him off. There were, you know, people were really disappointed and really hurt by the story coming out. And the question is, you know, all you need to do is prove that the allegations that have been made against you are not true. Anything else about, you know, how things were done and processes doesn't negate, you know, the fact that money, money was stolen, you know, at the mm. peak of COVID. Um, and, and, and also just, you know, the profile that he had, people really had faith in him. We've spoken about, you know, how active he was in communication um, during the, the, the COVID period, you know, and only to find that, um, you know, this is the same person who was almost uh, stabbing us, um, you know, on our backs. So people are really just calling for, um, to say, prove yourself, show us that, you know, um, you, 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 the allegations made against you are, are, are false. If he's claiming that he's innocent, Mkize, and that the SIU is basing its findings on untruths, why step down then if you're innocent? Absolutely. And, you know, to um, for him to say that this case has damaged his career, um, you know, social, people on social media just saying, look, you damaged your own career by, first of all, being involved even, you know, um, in, 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 in this um, unscrupulous behavior. So... Um, you know, people on social media are just not having it. And I understand it so. And, you know, like I said, that we are so tired of Murabarab. That's happening in okay, our no country. <laughs> we are tired of uh, Murabarab. All we want is facts and for people to be held accountable. Um, if, if, if he felt that, you know, he was innocent, he shouldn't have stepped down. He should have fought it and people would have backed him up. But, you know, it clearly means he knew something. And to come back now and say that, you know, and, and, and try to convince us that he is innocent is not going to work. Once you see the facts, show us that, um, you know, you are indeed innocent. So I just wonder, though, even though the SIU is saying the proceedings will continue uninterrupted because of this approach by Mkize mm-hmm. to the Gauteng High Court, could it not cause delays in the end, though, when it comes to the decisions that need to be made and the action required to follow those decisions, even though the process of getting there will be uninterrupted? Possibly, because it could be that towards the end of the process, he might be able to say uh, or, or produce something, which I highly doubt. I think that if he wanted to do something, he would have done it already, or if not now. Um, but, um, you know, processes can be uh, 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 affected there and, you know, it remains to be seen what will, what will happen. But um, there are sentiments on social media just not being supportive of this one. We've got a voice note on the Eswatini uh, matter. So let's just listen to that before you go, Gatlaho. Okay. Asa, Asa! Your supportive team in studio. Good morning, good morning. What a good show. Yeah, King Swati and your wives, watch this space. You're going to stay in your hotel there. And the people of Eswati, God will intervene. Don't worry, it's just a matter of time. 
Shots him out of time. It's Uncle JJ, the truck driver. Asanda, uh, the problem we are having in, South, in Southern Africa is all these presidents that we have are ex-combatants. You know? What they understand is violence. What they understand is killing. What they understand is blood. So there's no way that they can resolve situations in Swaziland, situations in, <coughs> in Zimbabwe without a fight or without splitting blood because that's what they know best. That's what they, 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 they thirsty for. They thirsty for the splitting or the, for the spilling of the blood or blood. Hey, it's said what's happening in Mozambique. It's said what's happening in Swaziland. It's said what's happening in Zimbabwe, where you are hearing now that they're even trying to assassinate the leader of the opposition. Yet they send people and they come back and they tell them, no, everything is fine in those countries. It's said, really. Yeah, ne? said. Um, uh, let's leave it there then, Katlekho. I don't know if you want to add in, in terms of presidents being ex-combatants and that is part of a problem. Uncle JJ is saying that God will intervene there. Uh, what else can be done? What else can be done, honestly? Have a good week, Asanda. Thank you so much, Katlekho. You too, hey? And uh, thanks. Uh, we appreciate you. Katlekho Silwadi, social commentator, talking trending topics. Let's take a short break. We'll get into Wellness Corner.